the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. I am joined in studio, of course, once again by our wonderful Mark Durkin, who's our producer and co-host. Another good evening. How are you today? Yes, I am doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank good. you. Good. I cannot believe we are well into our fall already. Yes. <laughs> I just need some cooler air. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. We had our homecoming last weekend at Liberty, and that's always a wonderful celebration. Yes, it is. So, well, right now... Um, well, I'll, I'll let you talk really quickly, but did you know, Mark, that research supports the idea that the study and participation in the arts is a key component in improving the learning throughout all academic areas? That's exactly right. In fact, history is what really comes to mind. In the arts, they help children learn positive habits and behaviors and attitudes and really also help students sharpen their critical intellectual skills. And we really mm-hmm. uh, came to understand that last week when we started mm-hmm. to speak about how shapes play a big part in art along with uh, different principles of art and just so many different things you can look at that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. And also it provides a visual context for learning about historical periods. Mm-hmm. Now, students also acquire uh, the needed skills to create, and this affords them the opportunity to reflect God's creativity. Well, Liberty Classical Academy students are given the opportunity to explore the overall theme and meaning of any work of art from varying historical periods. That's right. And once again, our guest tonight has spent the last two decades educating students about ancient, medieval, renaissance, and modern art. And Susan Mackey is the art specialty teacher at Liberty Classical Academy. She specializes in introducing and encouraging artistic pursuits using classical education methods. Susan's work also extends outside of the classroom, serving as an art adventures guide and a trainer for the Picture Person program at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. And we are very happy to once again welcome Susan Mackey, into our show tonight. Hello. I'm back. Good to have you back. <laughs> yes. You know, one thing I, I want to uh, touch on uh, tonight, we're going to start off with this. Uh, one of your teaching goals for students includes having, uh, or rather giving them the freedom to express themselves and to use art to tell a story. Um, expound on this. I mean, what does that look like in teaching art from the classical education method? Well, um, real art that tells a story. Sometimes we call it a narrative so that it includes something for the viewer to look at and to read like a book. Hmm. So um, 
at liberty when we're teaching from that classical education method where students are in the grammar or the logic or the rhetoric phase. They are also learning um, the histories in a sequential order. So that includes their math and science and dramas so that as they're learning those things, they are going to create their own works of art. They express themselves more in their artwork Mm. and they make those choices. Um, Even little kids will make choices Mm -hmm. about um, the backgrounds, their tables, their walls, and um, what they want to put in a picture that really tells something about themselves. Sure. That is kind of based on the context of what they've learned in all those other subjects that are tying into that historical time period. Right. They start Mm -hmm. to learn especially in the Renaissance period, they're learning about perspective. And so they're learning how to put a, something in a picture that's bigger in the foreground and, um, and then smaller in the background. Mm-hmm. And so they, they learn those skills and then create a world that it could be either um, from their own imagination or they're trying to copy God's creation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, much of what we discussed last week is more uh, than, you know, what the average listener is accustomed to. And when recollecting uh, their own classroom experiences in the subject of art, now having taught art for two decades, you mentioned last week you're in your 17th year at Liberty Classical Academy, um, and having interacted with many students and observers at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, what are some of the ways that students and observers alike have been greatly impacted through the study and the participation art. Here you can kind of just draw on some of the uh, comments or conversations you've had with students that you've, that you've taught over the years. Well, uh, for one thing, it's great when kids have traveled and gone places like Washington, D.C., sure. or some have gone to the Louvre and seen the Mona Lisa and climbed the stairs and seen uh, the victory of San Rosés, and they actually can say, wow, I learned about that, or I know something about that. Or when they engage the culture and they meet people from other places, they're saying, I've drawn that. I've drawn those patterns and textures. Um, I know the styles from that culture. So um, it does impact them. Um, They learn and recognize things that they've studied in school. And so um, I think students are more equipped at recognizing good art. When they go out in the world, um, sometimes it's famous, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it is it is really engaging for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, when you think about the subject of art, um, you wouldn't necessarily think that art uh, sharpens a student's critical thinking skills, but it does. Can you tell us how that comes about? Well, I think critical skills thinking is key at Liberty. Um, I think that's one of our goals is to have students when they graduate, especially to be able to use their critical thinking skills out in the world. Mm -hmm. And so um, we really try to have students be able to defend what they believe in their faith and their, their thoughts. Mm -hmm. So um, they have to be reflective and independent thinkers and be able to um, share those ideas. Um, They have to be able to make connections and uh, an art they are always making connections. They can pick up a pen and understand, like, this is going to make a small mark or a thin mark hmm. versus if I use a paintbrush, how much de- detail can I get in a painting? How much can I actually um, use my imagination and get the, a, a 
results out of this, the mediums I use, the tools I use. So they have to make those choices. And so I think that's starting to build that critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. They have to decide that, you know, if I make a mistake, what can I do to fix mm-hmm. it? Oh, yes. You know, um, can I change it? Do I, um, am, am I lost because this happened? Or how can students just pick up the pieces and move forward? So we often say, um, you know, it's kind of a Bob Ross thing, you know, a happy little accident. But we take it further saying, okay, this was, you know, maybe not what you have had planned, but what are you going to do with it now? And how are you going to make it something that you can be proud of? Mm-hmm. And so um, I think students are, you know, having to take risks all the time. They have to, they know that other people are going to look at their work and they're going to be assessing it. So they want to, you know, especially older kids, they want them to like what they've done mm-hmm. um, because they, people like to have people like what they do sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, oftentimes artists have an idea in their mind and they want to put it down and it doesn't come out quite as what they thought it would. Mm-hmm. So they have to try to, you know, still get their message across. So it's like, you know, having a conversation with somebody who doesn't agree with you. It's like, wait a second, I, I know this and I'm going to keep working on it and I'm going to use this tool and this tool to make what I had in mind so that it's a, a complete beautiful work of art, you yeah. know? Yeah. That is excellent, Susan. I have never given it that much thought as to how much art actually does teach critical thinking. Um, mm-hmm. You've raised a lot of really important points there and hopefully it helps um, dissuade people from a whole idea of perfectionism too. Like you say, a happy little accident, mm-hmm. you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to try to go start over? Well, then you're going to have your assignment turned in late. Exactly. <laughs> so, <you know? laughs> so there are some decisions to be made there and that's, yeah, all of the things you brought up are so important. Well, let's turn our attention to specific artists. Art has changed drastically throughout human history. As you teach art from the classical method, why do you think it's important to highlight specific persons when discussing ancient art as well as medieval and Renaissance historical time periods? Well, we learned that in ancient art, most artists didn't really sign their work. So it was attributed to people. Hmm. And um, same with medieval art. It was usually attributed to people. But then it started, um, some monks became a little bit better at their drawings when they were uh, illuminating manuscripts and then we get people like Giotto and so the third graders are going to learn about Giotto and um, he put halos on people's and that was like some people still don't understand what a halo is Mm -hmm. and um, that it's meant to show somebody who's holy or spiritual Mm -hmm. and um, so Giotto started doing that and um, other monks started to um, put their names on things and become known. And it wasn't really until the Renaissance where um, artists were were getting paid for their work of art. Um, Patrons hired artists to um, include themselves in a painting. Um, And then you see them uh, in Masaccio and the Trinity and um, still a lot of Bible stories in the Renaissance Mm -hmm. uh, because they're going back to what was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so... um, we definitely learn about Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and Raphael and Rembrandt who painted himself over 40 times. <laughs> and so from, you know, young to old and, and um, then they learn about all the impressionist artists, Monet and Degas and even kindergartner learning about Degas. So, and a lot of those artists like Mondrian and 
different styles and mm-hmm. how art has changed because it changes um, throughout time. Mm-hmm. And um, artists, their purpose for art was different and mm-hmm. it changed too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hoping to cover that at the very end of the show if we have time today. So, Absolutely. Yes, yeah. Well, you were listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280 The Patriot. We are in uh, conversation here with Susan Mackey, who is the arts specialty teacher at Liberty Classical Academy, uh, taking some time with us to talk about all of the different wonderful traits that go into a wonderful piece of artistic work uh, with varying different types of art. And so we'll continue our discussion here. Uh, when budget cuts, when they come to the average school district, you know, we, we hear all the time that art is one of the first subjects that uh, are, are cut from the curriculum or greatly reduced. You know, having helped students grow as learners through the study of art, what are students missing out on in their development as learners if they don't have art as part of their educational experience? Well, I think when art is cut, it it is a, a terrible thing. Um, I love art, so and I think it's necessary. I think it gives kids downtime, but they're still having to um, be strategic and still learning. Right. So that um, not every student is cut out just for such a rigorous um, command to just do academic things. And so they need that creative outlet. I mean, we are born with a creative outlet, and so God has our ordained us to use our gifts and that is you know important for students they need it's it's not like recess where they need that kind of downtime Mm -hmm. but it's still learning and it's using another part of their brain Mm -hmm. and so um and like i said students who might otherwise struggle that's because they're probably good at art or drama or sports and they need all those things so we have to be a well-rounded you don't want just, um, you know, academic things going into students' heads and they can't um, use it because they don't know how. They don't want to. They need to learn how to express themselves through their hands and, and body. And and as you've talked about so beautifully in, you know, the last week's show and, and even earlier today, there's that integration of all the different subject matter that really makes a person whole. Mm-hmm. And if we just take one piece and leave it out to save money, art. It's just such a huge part of the cultural foundation of of mankind, you know, mm-hmm. dating all the way back to the ancients. And so if we leave out art, then we're we're missing out on an entire piece of culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just wanted to mention that, you know, one of the things I love about um, being a teacher at Liberty is that I'm there so much that I get to watch the students do all the things that Liberty asks of them. So I go to the speeches and I, I watch them at sports and it's amazing that they're so capable of doing so many things and so many things well. Some of them have such a heart for just striving to, to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And I just love watching a student who can, you know, give a speech and then go run on the yeah. basketball court <laughs> and right. then come to my art class and ex- and just draw and just uh-huh. be all into it and then maybe go home and work and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just, it's a great thing. It's really great. Well-rounded on display for sure. Yeah. 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 How important would you say it is that a knowledgeable art teacher uh, teach an art class in a school, school setting? Well, one of the things I like to say about myself is that I'm all art all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I really do have a passion for art and I create art all the time, too. So um, and I think I just being knowledgeable and and knowing 
um, what I know from working at the museum for so many years, um, being born a creative person, being able to express that has been really invaluable to my own person, you know, being. And I um, think that students recognize that. They see that, you know, well, you really like art, don't you? And you, you mm-hmm. know so so much, don't mm-hmm. you? And mm-hmm. and I think it's really important to recognize artists and, and understand what the history of art has been throughout time and how it's changed the meaning of art, um, the purposes of art, and how those things have changed throughout time. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that to, unfortunately, what does happen in some schools is letting the classroom teacher do art, quote unquote, do Mm -hmm. art. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And probably what that means is that they're going to do a few art projects. They're not going to be able to get the elements. They're not going to get that understanding of history or form or um, so much is lacking. It's, it's more becomes than just a project versus a whole entire subject where it's part of the culture of the school and, and which then becomes part of the student and their whole person. Right. Well, I we just had an, um, a a grandparent come to the school and he uh, taught leather um, leather crafts and if you think about it you know early American history we had to use leather mm-hmm. and all throughout time there is leather available mm-hmm. to people for clothing and so it's that's important to know mm-hmm. it's, you might think it's a craft but it's also a necessity it's a functional piece of art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. So you can also bring other people in to do, you know, things that you don't necessarily have expertise in, but you've got the history that you can then, you know, provide more context for that. Yes. And I think as being, you know, an artist and, and I've taken a lot of classes and I've tried a lot of different things. I don't know everything, mm-hmm. um, but I've tried almost everything. <laughs> so it's it's been, you know, a good experience to yeah. share. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm. Well, every day, regardless of where we look, people are bombarded with artistic imagery in all facets of everyday life, from billboard advertisements to architecture in the neighborhoods to the vast creation that's before us while we're outside. Is it safe to conclude that images viewed and processed dominate our decision-making on a daily basis? Yes, I think it is. I think art is absolutely everywhere. Colors are everywhere. I always tell students that, you know, we do this hand motion about colors. It's you see it everywhere, everywhere you look. And um, other people have made some of those decisions for you or what you're going to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to make those decisions and make some of those images yourself? Um, do you choose uh, colors in your house? Do you mm-hmm. choose your uh, bedspread or your comforter or, or the decor mm-hmm. in your house, your dishes? Um, things are always influenced by art. Uh, the clothes you wear, the colors you put together, everything has some sort of artistic color scheme or meaning or symbolism. And right. what does it say about you? And what do you want to say about yourself when you enter the world with, you know, your artistic self? So mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it does, you know, it's in the culture. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere we look when you go into stores and advertising, like you said, and and uh, packaging and displays. They're all mm-hmm. kind of in the back of your mind. It's this kind of art world kind mm-hmm. of going through. Um, and we talked about the rule of thirds once. Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they use that in television. In television. Television photography. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you that I, I 
believe it was based on the Fibonacci code with students learn about the Fibonacci code. And it's like a mathematical thing. Our brains are sort of, you know, meant to look at certain things. How far back does that go again, the Fibonacci code? It goes very far back. Very mm-hmm. far, yes. So an artistic expression from way back then. Yeah, is well, being God created right. that because yeah. you know it's through nature. The Fibonacci code is you know you see it in the shells and flowers and and then we've just you sequence. Know, it's yes, a sequence. It's a sequence. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So. Keep, go well, ahead. yeah, I think you that's you know a, a, an amazing. You know, it's not a coincidence. Like you know, right. God created it, and you know we're still using it today. Yeah. So yeah. there it is. Like you say, in many different realms. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. One of the things that you mentioned um, is architecture, too. And um, I want to tie in this whole notion of truth, beauty, and goodness. And um, for a long time, art was driven by truth, beauty, and goodness. And over the course of time, um, that has kind of changed, just much like other elements of our culture have changed and gotten away from more of a biblical Worldview, which truth, beauty, and goodness comes out of a biblical worldview. Um, but being married to a builder, architecture is one of the things that really stands out as having changed. You know, um, my husband, being a custom builder, he values the beauty of a project, and therefore he works with architect architects rather than doing a design build thing where you go into a development and all the houses look the same except for maybe they've got three bedrooms instead of four or one and instead of three and you know and the the houses all look kind of the same and they don't have that interesting architecture it's lost its beauty it's kind of gotten focused on function mm-hmm. um cost obviously is a factor and I don't want to go off too far into this direction but it's interesting how we're seeing this lack of beauty in a lot of different realms, um, architecture being one of them. But can you speak to artwork itself and how that has changed from being directed by truth, beauty, and goodness into more of what we see today where some of it is is really downright disgusting in some cases, and you can share some of that. Well, I think um, for a long time, art was judged by other scholars and other artists. So there was the academies and the salons, and people were really trying to, um, you know, make the grade, get their artwork shown and be out there in the world. And then uh, when the Impressionists came along, they were the, uh, they were the refused. So they started doing their own thing artwork. And it was still very beautiful. A lot of times we think of Impressionist art as being really beautiful. Claude Monet mm-hmm. and Degas. And um, so it's not that they were making ugly art yet. But um, then I think after, you know, there was wars, the revolution and the First World War and, you know, even Hitler, excuse me, Hitler propaganda started really um, pointing fingers literally at people and and just um, it kind of got in your face and people were really trying to uh, express themselves um, in really different ways different colors making really things um, not normal um, going off on their own and just making art that wasn't necessarily showing any truth or beauty but in a self-expression that is distorting truth and beauty. And I think we see that in our culture is that, you know, we see a lot of distortion of what's real, what's true. Mm -hmm. And so people are like kind of making things up and saying, well, this is okay. And it's, it's not pleasing and it's, it's not always 
beautiful and and then questioning what is art and what is beauty and um and other people going well i don't think that's beautiful i don't want to see a a toilet bowl and you're telling me that's art Mm -hmm. and um i don't want feces on a painting and telling me that's art Mm -hmm. um that's not beautiful some people might say that's self-expression but it doesn't necessarily reflect um god's beauty and that's i think when you look at beautiful art it's you can feel that in your soul and it's aesthetically pleasing and it doesn't disturb you Mm -hmm. art can maybe be ugly and to make you think about other things Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't necessarily have to be uh sold or purchased as being a a beautiful work of art Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know um so it has really changed um as the culture has changed and I think um, it'll probably reverse back to being beautiful, hopefully, mm-hmm. and, awesome. and have meaning. Because mm-hmm. I think um, art should have some meaning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to be a reflection of what is true, beautiful, and good. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that um, I like to highlight for you is that you, this is a huge change here in conversation, but you like to enter your students' artwork in the State Fair. And you had a record-breaking year this year. (laughs) Would you like to talk about that briefly? Well, uh, a friend of mine who is an art teacher, she told me about how she got work into the state fair. And it wasn't that hard. It's a lot of paperwork and things like that. And so we tried it, you know, a few years back, and we got a few pieces in. And this year we had over 30 pieces in. Um, We had a whole classroom get their work in as a class. It was the Bayou Tapestry embroidery uh, pieces mm-hmm. that they did. And so I think it gives students really um, an encouragement to do even better art and to compete. The State Fair to me is when it's fine art. The work is beautiful. They they take a beautiful art and um, it's, it's challenging to get in. I think it's daunting mm-hmm. uh, for anyone. I would, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about getting something in, but you know, <laughs> um, and then these students, I say, you know, this is what we're going for. And some of them, you know, they come back after in the summer and say, here, try to get my work. And I wanted, I want to try to get it in. And this year I, I asked students leave something behind that you might you think you might get in the fair yeah. and some of them did. And then, and some of them who didn't were sorry, they didn't leave it behind. And I was like, I had a chance and I, I didn't use it. So mm-hmm. um, it was a really good year for Liberty and yeah. I'm happy to send the parents and grandparents and friends to the fair um, and say, look for our art. And, yeah. And, yeah. So you said you had over 30 pieces. Yep. And then how many actually won ribbons? Oh, um, most those are the, all those pieces pieces won ribbons oh my goodness yeah. oh okay wow i mean there were others that we we that so you got submitted honor. more than yes that. we submitted a few more than that okay. and then so but the 30 got ribbons yeah. wow that's incredible yeah that was really congratulations, nice. congratulations Susan. <laughs> oh i love it Thank you, John. <laughs> love that yes you deserve a round of applause susan oh, you, you have been an incredible art teacher um for now 17 years and we are grateful to have you on our staff and we're very grateful to have you on our show last week and this week and I think people have a much better understanding of the importance of art, that it's not just an art project, but that it encompasses all of history and um, that it really is such a huge part of our culture. And if it's taught well, 
it really provides some well-rounded education to kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanks. so thankful to have you. And thank you, Mark, once again for being my co-host and our wonderful show producer. <laughs> and my pleasure. This has been a wonderful learning experience for me good. as well, too. Yeah. Thank you for everything that you've shared the last okay. two weeks, Susan. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you to our listeners for joining us. And we hope that you will come back again next Saturday night at 6 p.m., and if you'd like to hear this podcast or any other podcast, please go to ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org. Or you can follow us on Facebook at Education Nation Radio or at Twitter at ednationmn, at ednationmn. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.